0: Welcome to another episode of Hitting Dirt by Impact Sports. This is episode number 18, and I am Alex Podry. With me on a special Wednesday episode, Mike Corwin.
1: How you doing, Mike? Good. Super special uh, on a Wednesday. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: No, thanks for coming. We got, I think, an interesting topic for today's podcast. It's going to be...
1: I would certainly agree with that.
0: It's going to be all about my first year as an agent, which I think some people will find interesting, uh, hopefully. Um, And whether you're just interested in how it's going, whether you want to be an agent, what it's like to be an agent, um, I think it'll be... It'll be a fun episode. So um, the schedule's a little disjointed because we got together on Friday to prep the playoffs last week. Let's run through those results real quick.
1: Or we don't have to. <laughs> it,
0: <laughs> uh, you know, not terrible. I didn't go 0 for 6, which was my prediction for myself.
1: That's bit. Ba- I mean, you're trending upward.
0: Yes. I got I got a, a couple right. So we both had the Bucks. That game was a snoozer in the most interesting game you had the 49ers you and the internet were right Mm -hmm. dallas tried to come back and then yeah what was that ran out of
1: time they just ran out of time (laughs)
0: literally ran out of time (laughs) yep (laughs) and then and then did you see dak prescott condoning violence on the officials oh yeah he's since retracted that but
1: uh you got to respect the hustle on that though on which way uh if you're Dak Prescott that's just fire and passion. Yes. <laughs> Depends and, how you look at and it. And a hefty
0: fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um but you got that one right. Um we both had the Rams. I picked the over, you picked the under so you get a you get a bonus point. There we go. Um I had Cincy. I had Buffalo which was not close. Woof. Um, we both had Kansas city, but I picked Pittsburgh to cover the twelve and a half. Did not happen.
1: Looked good for a while though.
0: They were winning at the end of the first quarter. hmm Uh, quick side note. Did you, do you follow like the boys over at pardon my take at all? I, I'll, I mean, I follow them, but not religiously. So Hank had, um, he had, he had thought he had picked TJ Watt to score the first touchdown in the game at like some stupid number. It was like sure. betting like 50 bucks to win like 1200. Mm-hmm. So he was going absolute ape when TJ Watt scored, checked his ticket. He
1: had picked Derek Watt no. to score the first touchdown. No. <laughs> and uh, it's not like you could go back to the bookie and be like, I meant I, it was the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, you did, buddy. Yeah. That wasn't, it wasn't a D. That was a, <laughs> a, a TJ. J. It kind of looks the same.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Bad beat there. Um, so you went one, two, three, four and two. Um, I went th- well four and two, but with a half point there with the the under. So not a bad week. At the end of this episode, we'll run through. Uh, we're still trying to figure out a schedule for this weekend. Maybe we'll do it on Saturday before the playoff games. Uh, but we have a whole new slate of games, and we'll see how it goes. So. Um, being that normally I do a more technical episode, um, I thought now would be a good time to just kind of talk about what it's like being an agent in my first year. And when I was talking about it with Mike, we thought maybe this would be a little bit more engaging, with a little bit of dialogue back and forth. So Mike's got some questions prepared. Uh, I have no idea what's coming my way, so we'll we'll see how it goes, and and hopefully it's insightful. So,
1: <laughs> uh, lot, just some shoes to fill there. But yeah, no, appreciate that. Um yeah really like the like the purpose of this is just to get a feel for how things were like leading up to becoming an agent like just reflectively like what it's been like yeah um and then yeah just like some some thoughts like in the future for you absolutely so like we covered this in the first episode so if you haven't listened to the first episode um really it, it was just an episode about like what success is what what we think right in our like lowly little basement here like what 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 we think success looks like um so highly recommend listening to the first episode um if you're here listening to this because uh, i think it'd be a good lead-in to this conversation sure um but yeah no so alex tell me or tell us right a little bit about like what got you going in like sports management how like what interested you in sports management and then how how you grew that cuz i mean you went through like somewhat of a career change right like you didn't just wake up and like you're an nfl agent yep so yeah can you touch on some of those things
0: sure so i think growing up it was probably every american boy's dream to play professional sports i think if we could all go back that would Anybody asks you what you wanted to be, you know, you want to be a football player, you want to be a golfer, tennis player, whatever your sport is, mm-hmm. you want to make money doing it. Well, um, I wasn't that uh, athletically inclined in my youth. I was a skinny kid, six foot two, six foot three, 160 pounds my senior year of high school. Um, finally put some weight on when I got to college and those beers started flowing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, by no means <laughs> did I have the frame to be a, you know, division one athlete and, and reach those athletic goals. So I realized that pretty early on, like, Hey, you know, professional sports probably isn't for me. So high school is going to be kind of the pinnacle there. Mm-hmm. So what's the next best thing? Well, the next best thing is to work in sports, work with the guys who actually have the talent and the work ethic and everything else to get there. So, um, when I got to college, well, first I wanted to go into medical school and I, talk about this in episode one. And then I took a chemistry class and realized that that path was a dead end. Um, uh, so then, you know, I focused on law school and at the time I went to Marquette, Marquette was one of the, uh, few programs that had a sports law specific program. And I thought, Hey, that would be pretty freaking cool if I could do something in sports with a law degree, um, full disclosure too, before you get to your question, college was right when I got into entourage. Uh, and you know the, nice. this, this is, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of putting myself out there a little bit, but like Ari Gold was like every seventeen to twenty two year old male's role model, um, and I was like, if I could be half of that, that it just looks <laughs> so much fun. Now,
1: also, just because we're definitely dating ourselves with that series, um, just thirty seconds on what entourage is.
0: Oh, it's just the greatest show I've ever made on HBO. <laughs> Uh, i can second that it's just uh you know a movie star and his bros and his agent and they get in shenanigans and make movies and make millions of dollars and
1: And they make it look so easy and it's so fun
0: yes if you went to college in the early to mid 2000s that was that That was that was the show
1: that was the show if you're a guy i don't know how many i mean i'm sure there were girls that were watching that definitely
0: had a male audience oh yeah but um so i was like you know that that would be something that i want to get into went to law school
1: so your your timeline you knew about this or like had an inkling at least after undergrad going into law school you yeah. already knew that you wanted to do this
0: yeah i did um
1: which so, which isn't a traditional track i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off yeah no
0: but it's not um i i knew a couple things about law school right out of the gate one I knew that I didn't want to practice law. I mean, that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Why would you go to law school if you don't want to practice law to make a very good living, which I've always had high aspirations for myself and my standard of living, you have to work your ass off. And for the first three to five to seven years, as an attorney, you're eating shit. You're working 80, 90 hours a week, shit flows downhill. You're getting you're doing all the grunt work. You need that rack up like two thousand billable hours. For those of you doing math at home.
1: Per year. Yeah, right? per year. Yeah.
0: If you're working 30 hours a week, that's 1,560 hours a year. That's just if you're working 30 hours a week, billable hours are just what you're billing clients. That doesn't that's not just your normal job. Admin time,
1: yes. anything else that's required.
0: So if you're doing two thousand hours a year, that's almost a full time job just in billable hours. And then it's all the other crap you got to do and i'm a people person so sitting in like a cubicle or an office just like crunching out briefs not for me yeah so i knew right away that i didn't want to do that so i was like okay well if i'm gonna do this let's put it towards something so i took sports law classes one regret i had in law school is they had a sports law certificate where you would have been on law review they would set you up with internships Never went down that path. I tried to spend as little time as possible in the law school building. I probably should have taken that a little bit more seriously.
1: But anyway, and and that's I mean pre COVID, right? Like yeah, it's well before COVID. Yeah, it's not that like you weren't spending time because like COVID was a thing or like virtual uh, classes. No, it really? was just
0: I found this is going to make me sound kind of like an asshole, but I didn't get along great with my law school peers. Lawyers are.
1: Type a. an interesting group.
0: Type it's highly competitive for one. Um, and two, not a lot of, sorry to any law students listening, generally not a lot of personality. Those people have worked extremely hard to get there. They take law school extremely seriously, which you should, but it's a lot of focus on their work and their studies and you know, who, which interview did you get? And what law firm are you interning interning with which judge are you clerking for, and that just wasn't me that that wasn't not my priorities when I was that age, so
1: I don't think that sounds like like an asshole remark. I think that just like you knew what you wanted yeah. i think I think you knew that at at the end of the day this is something that's interesting and like connections and like the social aspect of law school it's still important. Like I'm sure you still have a network from like Marquette University.
0: Yeah, I got a few people I talked to, and you know, if I reached out, I'm sure people would be would take my call and be like, "Oh yeah, I remember you from law school." Um, so I wasn't like mean or bullying. It just wasn't. wasn't what I was there for. Right. Yeah. Um, in law school, I did have an internship with a small little sports marketing firm. Um, at the time, that firm worked with. You know, Larry Sanders, then of the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Gene Segura with the Brewers. That was fun. That was interesting. It also kind of ruined it a little bit for me because this was right when Larry Sanders was like on his way out and his priority shifted from basketball to other endeavors. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. And, you know, you would schedule an event like a charity event, for example, that Larry is supposed to kind of be the the head guy. And then he just no shows. And that kind of was your first glimpse into like, man, is this really what I want to do? Um, and I don't know what he was going through or was not going through or whatever, but I was like, shit, you know? And then at the same time I had this amazing financial offer from a company that I still work for. Um, and it was in sales, so you're out and about talking to people a little bit more my speed, and that's what I shifted in. But, you know, as I've been doing this for the last six years, that itch has just always been there, and I'm going to be 32 in a couple days here. And I was like, man, if you're going to try something new and something that you're really passionate about and something that you want to try, now's the, now's the time to do it. And, you know, how did I get into the agent side, the team side is incredibly difficult to break into. One way to do it is to like the scouting side. But most of those guys are right out of college. You're not making
1: any money. When you say like agent side and team side, yeah, can you like elaborate on that? Because I'm, I'm not following. I'm sure people okay. at home are, but I'm not following.
0: Okay. So when I thought about a career in the NFL, you can... Work for a team like the Green Bay Packers, Chicago Bears, whatever, pick your team, or you can work for the player, agent, Mm. marketing, et cetera. So when I was looking, and this was prior to COVID too, because remember, if you remember that from the first episode, when I applied to be an agent, I initially applied in January of 2020. Yeah, right before before COVID hit. BC. And then when COVID hit, it delayed everything by a year. So back in 2020, when I was thinking about, okay, I've always wanted to work in sports. I've always wanted to work in the NFL. How do I break in? So on the team side, there's a whole bunch of people behind the scenes. You could work in human resources. You could work in ticket sales. But I've always wanted to be in the actual team management side, working with athletes, right? Whether that's in the front office or whatever so the easiest way and by no means is it easy so i don't mean to make it seem like it is but is to work your way through the process as a scout so how most people get in is they start as a scouting assistant which means you're a glorified secretary you're running players to and from the airport you're getting coffee you're doing whatever it is that who you're working for wants.
1: Client services at the end of the day.
0: Yes. Um, but it's a good way. You meet people to get in that way and you go. But, but then once you, and most of the time that's an unpaid position. Well, I have a mortgage and kids. Don't know if that's feasible at this point in my life. And I'm old. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like it, but mostly scouting assistants are 22, 23, 24. I'm 32. Um, and then, even if that goes well, and you make it as a scout, which is a highly technical position too, you have to know, okay, this guy's got thirty-three inch arms and a, and nine and a half inch hands. What does that mean? They use terms like, oh, he's got great bend, or he's got, you know, a squatty body. Like oh, they have they have a whole different language that you have to learn. You're traveling nonstop. You're living in a hotel from. August through December. Mm-hmm. And then even after December, you're going to all the all-star games. It's just, it's a grueling job, not really high paid and extremely competitive again. And then like, look at all of the coaching and GM changeovers this year. Like you could have a great job with the Minnesota Vikings. The GM gets canned and now you're gone. Mm-hmm. And now where do you go Do you can try and get on our team, but then you're moving your family again. As, awesome as it would be to work on the team side at this point really difficult so then I was like okay what about the agent side again kind of going back to why I went to law school I could do it from home so I could still be here I can kind of do it side settle with my current job so that seemed to make the most sense and now that I've gotten into it I'm really happy that I
1: have so uh love that you shared that because I I mean, obviously there there are stark differences, right? Working for an organization rather than, I mean, I guess you could still work for an organization, but you're you're more managing the talent than you are like looking at talent and trying to see who the right fit is for your team.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and you know when you're working for a team, you get a paycheck. That's nice. Mm-hmm. When you're working on your own, you eat what you kill, as they say in sales, right? You. You're, you're you're able to make whatever it is you're able to produce mm-hmm. which can be a little scary for a lot of people
1: or, or really lucrative right or like, yes there's no ceiling
0: there's no ceiling correct yeah look at the Rosenhouses, the Mulligetta's the yeah exactly
1: uh, you know so thank you for sharing that um, I don't think that like anyway so I was going to go somewhere and I don't want to go there now um, so so thinking about like what you just said and like going to school, networking, like maybe some obstacles that you faced like as a first year agent. Do you want to touch on some of those? Like sure. Going through, maybe maybe give us like something that you expected to be really hard, but ended up being like a breeze? Okay.
0: Well let's start with what I thought was going to be easier that was really hard. And I talked a little bit but, about this. i
1: I tried to be optimistic. And I was like, yeah. give us a good thing first. But now, yeah. No, no, no. It's let's, easier to do what's hard.
0: When I, when I passed the exam and then I was certified officially on October 1st. So the gap between when you're certified and when you're official, it's like two or three weeks. You can't do anything. You can't solicit a player until your insurance is paid and you're officially certified. That is a long three weeks. Remember, I've been waiting for 18, 20 months. I just want to dive in. I'm young. I'm young, at least in my agent career. Super excited to get after it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I'm thinking I'm going to write the world, right? I'm going to work with.
1: Of course. Who doesn't want a piece of you? Yes,
0: exactly. I'm I'm 24-7, baby. You know, whatever (laughs) you need. (laughs) Um, But then you very quickly find out that there's a thousand of me. There's a thousand agents, I believe. Um,
1: New agents or existing? Just in general.
0: Um, okay. I think my I had the stat in one episode. I think usually about 150 agents or so are introduced every year. Um, this year, I think because it had two classes combined, I think that number was like 250 or 300. Um, and then you figure there's another six to 700 already agents. And usually the same number that come on, the same number will drop off. People get out of the industry or they don't have clients, they don't want to do it anymore, whatever. So there's usually around 1,000 agents. To put that in a little bit of perspective, there's 1,800 active players in the NFL. <clears throat> and the vast majority of players are represented by a handful of agents and firms. But you know what? I knew all that going in and I thought, I'm an NFL agent. People are going to at least take meetings with me. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, you know, I've been around enough seminars and and things like that. And everybody told me, told any new agent really, that, you know, (coughs) the odds of you getting like a third round draft pick are, are slim to none, and I always thought, like, well, that's that's kind of loser talk, you know? Why would, like, why would you limit yourself on who you would approach? Well, it turns out the the reason why that's the case isn't necessarily your skills as an agent, but it's really just no one knows who you are. Like, if you think about, I don't know, who who would be a good example? Agent wise? No, player wise. So any guy who's projected to go in the top three rounds of the draft Mm -hmm. most people know who that is going into the season imagine what that guy's getting bombarded with from text messages dms on instagram and and twitter his parents are getting hounded his friends are probably getting called Mm -hmm. and then you got alex beaudry who's a first year guy you know so i was surprised and probably naively so at how hard it was initially to make contact with players i thought it would be much easier than it was and it was it wasn't and when i think back at it i don't blame the players at all um you know i don't have a brand yet working on it quite well i think for a first-year guy but i'm just saying at the time like october november Nobody knew who Impact Sports was. We hadn't even started this podcast yet.
1: Didn't and have these cool t shirts. <laughs> yeah,
0: the cool t shirts. Um, so it was just that, that was a little bit more, more
1: difficult. I mean, put yourself in somebody else's shoes, right? You're 21 years old. Everyone wants a piece of you. What's important to you at that moment in time? And that variable, I would assume, changes for each individual. Yeah. But then also, do you want to what brand do you want to wear? Do you want to wear the Alex Bauderie Impact Sports brand off of Amazon? Right? Yeah. Or or do you want to wear Nike? Yeah. And I'm not I'm I mean, for those listening, the Alex Baudry Impact Sports brand, phenomenal. Buy stock now. Yes. Um because it's about to skyrocket.
0: Yeah, and and on the flip side, so you know, what was easier? So if you have been following on Twitter or Instagram, I have been lucky enough to sign uh, three players to this year's draft class. Um, Elijah Reed out of South Dakota, Clint Sig out of Lindenwood, which is a D2 school, but remember that name, and then Anthony Johnson out of Duquesne.
1: I mean, remember all three.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And I told Clint this on our last call when he officially signed – I could not be happier with those three guys to be my first clients. They're all extremely nice people first and foremost, which is good. Um, and then two, they have the talent to succeed. And, you know, it was funny, Elijah posted on his, on his Instagram, something along the lines of, you know, shout out to impact sports. Thank you to Alex Beaudry for believing in me and it was a very nice gesture and really what I told him is no thank you for believing in me because yes while I believe in all three of those guys I wouldn't have signed him if I didn't it's just as important that they believe in me um, and they're giving a guy who's in his first year the opportunity to help them in what is their lifelong dream so, <clears throat> I think it would be easy to forget that and assume that they need me, but really, I need them just as much as if not more. and you know, I couldn't thank them enough for giving me a shot at this too.
1: It's not a one way street is what you're saying, right, no. which is so humble of you to say because I think a lot of people probably don't have that mentality or at the very least have have a one sided mentality like I need this many, I need this, and it sounds like you're taking the approach of what is but be- like I might not be the right fit for you. I might not be the right person. So, like, let's talk about this and make sure that, like, I'm, like, solutioning something that you actually need, like, fixed or something that you need help with. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that the humble thing. I've heard from a couple different players, both players I've signed and, and players that ended up going a different direction, that, you know, they would set meetings with agents and then the agent would just blow them off or you know or whatever and that just to me is just
1: it's unprofessional crazy
0: you know um and it, it kind of stinks that 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 low of a bar has been set in some regards um but yeah uh, i couldn't be happier for this group of guys that i get to represent going into the spring i got big plans for all of them they're all putting in the work um and it's been it's been great to actually get my hands dirty and start this i've now have relationships with a handful of training facilities i got um you know clint down in scottsdale training at Nero Force one if any of you follow the ufc sports game or the ufc fight scene um they're training Davidson Figueroa, who's fighting for uh, a championship belt this weekend they're doing his training so now those guys are training clint getting him ready for his pro day I got Elijah in Denver training with Landau Sports or Landau Performance, excuse me, getting ready for his pro day. Um, so it's been fun to build those relationships, not just with the players but with those training facilities. And yeah, it's um, it's great. The guys are getting interviews from teams now, starting to pick up some some steam, and it's been it's been a lot of fun.
1: I'm I'm just curious, like those conversations that are had between player and team. Are you allowed? in on those conversations are you a part of those conversations do you set those conversations up
0: um so both um elijah and clint had um (coughs) interviews with teams at their respective all-star games in a normal year i would plan on being at those all-star games so elijah played in the dream bowl um and clint played at the college good iron showcase and at those events teams are pulling players aside you know hey we like you we want to talk to you and they, they go off and talk you know normally i would be at those all-star games this year our guest star here who's snoozing in the background um she was born so i i couldn't travel had to make sure she was still breathing yeah <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, yeah so um i i was here as riley was being born um normally i'd be there but you know these guys earned those interviews. So I really had nothing to do with it. I got to talk to them afterwards and say, Hey, that's awesome. Um, You know, let me know how I can help in the future. But you know, those guys got those interviews based on their film and their performance and their hard work. So
1: I love that. Uh, So we touched on like hardest and easiest things. Are there, are there other things like as a first year agent, Maybe, maybe aside from unexpected or expected things that were barriers to entry, um, and and it could be anything, right? Like you mentioned that you took some time between graduating law school, you had a different offer at another company, um, <clears throat> and you kind of built up a little bit of a like a reserve, right? Like yeah. a professional, like just you got experience in another industry that clearly is translatable in some way.
0: And it's sales. Like anybody who wants to go into this, it's, it's sales. You have to relate to people. You have to provide a service. You have to know how to execute on that service, building relationships. Um, and I think, and I don't know this, it'll be curious to see this agent class and who they sign. I don't know how... If it would be harder or easier to do this as a 25-year-old straight out of law school, in some aspects I think it would be much more difficult. One, on the financial side, just think of things like travel, um, and the cost to get. If you're playing, if you're paying for training, um, you know, getting these guys gear, whatever it might be. If you haven't had a career in something else. Unless you're well funded by an investor or mom and dad or whatever it might be, that would be extremely difficult. So I've been able to you know, work professionally for the last six years, and you know now I can afford to do those things. Um, so that's one barrier to entry. The one thing that I'm looking forward to is um, this next this next year. So after you know, I get these guys on their rosters. The next draft class, when I have a full year, will be very interesting. You know, this year, starting in October, things really picked up around December. <clears throat> so the hardest thing...
1: Before you get going, can you tell us why it'll be different? Like why yes. it's different this year versus so, like next year when so, you're an established yeah. agent?
0: So this year, I couldn't start till October 1st. <clears throat>
1: And that's a rule set by by the
0: NFLPA because you have to have your insurance. You got to be licensed by the NFLPA. So I could not physically reach out to players before then. So this year, you know, I was kind of reaching out sporadically here and there, really not getting a lot of traction. And then in December, the all-star games start to release their rosters. Then you one of the hardest things to do as an agent is to figure out who has a shot and who doesn't. And the hardest thing about that is, you know, telling someone that you, you don't think they have a shot. You know, <clears throat> there are probably a thousand guys g- declaring for the NFL draft 260 of them will get drafted, and another 300 of them or so will get picked up as undrafted free agents. But there's still five, four or 500 guys out there who won't get picked up and who will never make it on an NFL roster. So the hardest thing as, a, as an agent is trying to figure out who has a legitimate shot and who doesn't. Once the All-Star game started releasing their rosters, you get a much better idea – of who you should be going after the problem with that is everybody is now getting a better idea of who they should be going after. So, you know, these guys, I can only imagine like once these rosters are being released, their phones and and Twitters are just being blown up. Um, But that gave me a sense of, of who I should start to talk to. So like, for example, Clint, um, I saw that he caught my eye because he was, uh, his name was released on the College Gridiron Showcase roster. And so the College Gridiron Showcase, they have two groups of people. They have their small college showcase, and they have like their normal all-star showcase where you got guys from Wisconsin, Utah, Cincinnati, whatever. Pick your favorite D1 school. Clint, despite going to Lindenwood College, which is a Division two college in St. Louis, was selected to play with the top group. So he I knew right away, like this guy can play, reached out to him, set up a meeting, and you know, obviously I was able to sign him a few weeks later. But like that all happened extremely quickly. You know, I was reaching out, setting a meeting, a couple meetings, met his dad, all of that stuff, and then was able to to eventually sign him. Next year, having a full year. So being able to essentially start recruiting now for the 2023 NFL draft season will be interesting because that's a much longer game you know by the time I had met Clint or Elijah for that matter their college seasons were over so I could have signed them right away this next draft class I could be talking to somebody in July but not being able to sign them until December or January depending on when their season ends so it'll just be different mm-hmm. how do you what are agents talking about to not only open the door but then continue that relationship keep that door cracked providing enough value and when I say value I don't mean bags of cash I'm not talking about breaking any rules here I'm just talking about um, got a guest our Oh, coops here too um, sorry the family's home um, but providing enough value, like information-wise,
1: sure, continuing Guidance, that relationship, yeah, connections, yeah, within the like, industry. so that by the
0: time that that player's season ends, they're ready to they're ready to sign. It, it'll just be a different cycle. This year was like wait, wait, wait. Oh my gosh, I got two guys that are in three guys that are interested.
1: Hit the ground running. Hit Better the ground be ready. running.
0: Yeah, exactly. Next year it'll be drawn out, methodical.
1: It's it's different. It's interesting the way that. The NFLPA set that up, isn't it?
0: It is. And I, I don't know why why it's that way. This year was hard. Next year, it'll benefit
1: me, right? Because mm-hmm. I won't be a first-year guy who's got to wait. Uh, but we alluded to this on a previous podcast. Uh, there's a like a, I mean, not a metaphorical, like a literal clock that ticks yes. as an agent. So do you want to go over that a little
0: bit? Yep. So as an agent, you have three years to sign a player to an nfl roster you have to have an active nfl contract so you know if clint and elijah and anthony i'll expect them to make a roster so i'm not worried about it but if i had not signed any of those players or i signed with players who did not make a roster um that would be one year down and i'd have two years to go to get an active nfl contract that can be scary um Especially with how much you've invested in it, and
1: well, and and the pressure's on. Then at that point, right? Like right. You you can feel it. You feel like it's a race against the clock. Yep.
0: Um, and that sucks from a sales standpoint. Being in sales, like if you're desperate, you can smell it. Y- yes, and nobody wants to work with you if you like. Oh my God, I need this sale. You just, yeah, you, a stench flows from you and nobody wants to buy. From you. It's like when you really want to meet a girl at the bar, that's not the time to go try and meet a girl at
1: the bar. Yeah. Or she's the only girl at the bar. <laughs> yes. Like abundance theory, I think definitely applies <laughs> Supply here. Supply
0: and demand. Yes. Um, so, yeah. No,
1: interesting. Okay. Um, so we touched a little bit on like becoming an agent. We touched a little bit on like barriers to entry um some of the nuances of being a first year versus a second year agent uh i didn't realize this until i started spending a little more time with you and like seeing like the ins and outs of what you're doing uh it's it's almost impossible to do this without social media yes would would you yeah you would agree
0: it, at least for for me uh you know some of the more established agents um so let's use it in the context of players i've signed so, um, you know, I signed Elijah from South Dakota. <clears throat> Assuming everything goes great, like we plan it to go, I get him. I shouldn't say I get him. We get him on a team with his hard work, um, his ability, and he plays for your favorite NFL team. A lot of established agents will then go to their players and say, hey, Elijah, could you also go to player X, who went, you went to school with, you have a relationship with, can you give me a referral essentially can you get his number for me can you Mm -hmm. call on my behalf so social media may become may not be as big of tool for established agents who you know rosenhouse god the guy's got 80 athletes he works with he's like a legend at the university of miami he's probably not reaching out on twitter he's probably calling somebody at the university of miami saying hey this is Drew Rosenhaus. Yeah.
1: Like, hey, what's the good talent coming out of Alabama? Yeah. Right.
0: For me, it's been Twitter has been where I have really grown.
1: Um, yeah. So so talk to us a little bit about, like, maybe the avenues of social media that you use um, and then what, yeah, what you found to be most beneficial.
0: Yeah. You know, when it comes to social media, and the different types, when I first got started, um, Instagram was where I started. The problem with Instagram, so I do have a business Instagram account, is, at least for me, Instagram content is hard. Like, I'm not the type of guy that's going to post a minute-long video.
1: 32-year-old white dude. Um, yeah, like... Content Content might be a little... Uh,
0: a little tricky. So then it was, okay, do I reach out from my personal Instagram? Um, or do I reach out from the business Instagram? And if I reached out to the business Instagram at the time, it was like, okay, I got five followers, and I follow, like, 16 people. It's just, like... I wouldn't respond to that account. That's, I
1: mean, there's the the confidence in somebody that sees Impact Sports 5 followers, 2 yeah. posts.
0: Yeah, and follows 16 people. Like, I would think it's almost like a fake account. Now that I've been able to sign a few people and I've been able to actually, like, put, like, their welcome up there, you know, that's starting to grow a little bit. And I think, you know, like, when these guys get on teams and I can show their workouts, their pro days, like, that'll be... I can actually deliver content that I would be interested in right now. I, I just don't have that.
1: But I think that, so you're touching on something really interesting. Uh, you're saying that you have a Twitter, you have an Instagram um, and you have a, a business account and a personal account. Yep. Um, the content that you're posting, cause I see it, right? Like I'm reading it. I like it. And, and it's great that, that you're, you're posting this content you're not posting it because you're trying to get likes or you're trying to get followers No. or, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like if, I mean, that's okay too.
0: Followers are great because then, you know, like Twitter. So Twitter has taken off. That's been my preferred Avenue of communication with athletes. Twitter has been great. Cause if you can get the followers there and someone retweets it, well, if someone's got 600 followers and they retweet it. Well, that's 600 more people that just saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is good. Um, so, and for me, Twitter's a little bit easier. I'm You know, even Twitter, I'm not great at, like, releasing content. Um, for a while, I was really big into Substack. It's something I need to get back into. Um, the holidays kind of derailed that, and now life's just been a little crazy. I haven't written as much as I liked. Um, but Twitter's been a nice place to release that because then with the hashtags, you know, you're writing about... Antonio Brown or whatever, you can say hashtag NFL, hashtag AB84, you know, whatever. You're starting to show and up on those to show people, pages. Yep, and then they can see it. Um,
1: so from from like a follower standpoint um and like a like standpoint, safe to assume that you're you're posting content because it's interesting to you, because it's something that you're enjoying, you're learning, and you're sharing.
0: Right. And... Hopefully, providing value to people in some way, right? Whether it's they want to know what's going on with me, they want to know about the inner workings of football. I mean, ideally, if I only had a thousand followers, hopefully, hopefully they're all football players that want to, you know, eventually sign with me, right? That's the that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my target audience. If I could only have a thousand people, that's you know who I would want. Um, but you know, everybody else, like, great. I hope that they get some entertainment value out of watching my company grow the athletes I get to work with. I mean that's that's the fun part. So <clears throat> Twitter, to get back to your original question about, you know, avenues, Twitter is nice in the sense that people can set who can direct message them. So I've had for any new agents listening, the most success I've had is, you know, following a player and then if they follow you back, there's at least they at least know who you are, so when you DM them,
1: <laughs> yeah, the, they're
0: at least following your account, right?
1: The WYD DM. What is that? What are you doing?
0: Oh no, no! <laughs> um,
1: wow, thirty-two hits you pretty hard, huh?
0: I am not a social media guy <laughs> um, at all. So this is all a little bit new to me, um, but um, but it's like. You know, they, they follow you back. At least there's some commonality there. Of course. You're laughing at me because I'm old <laughs> and out of touch. But, um, you know, that's how I reached out to the players this year. It's the easiest way to go about it. And, you know, it's, it's not 100%. I've had guys follow me back and say, you know, hey, I've already signed with another agent or no response at all, whatever it might be. But that's been for someone who doesn't have access to phone numbers right out of the gate that's been the easiest way and I think the most way that players have been open to having a conversation.
1: Sure. And I mean, I would, I'm going to go on a limb here. I have no data in front of me on this. I would guess the majority of athletes in college today probably have some form of social media and are using it in one way or another.
0: I will say that almost every player has an Instagram. I would say maybe Eighty-five to ninety percent of them have a Twitter, and of those eighty-five to ninety percent that have it, maybe sixty percent are active on it. Fair. So, um, it's not a perfect solution, but it's the best I got, and it's been the best way for me to reach out this year.
1: No, hundred percent. And then, um, like other avenues, obviously, I'm, I'm I'm thinking of LinkedIn. Like I know you have a personal LinkedIn.
0: I do have LinkedIn. The problem is most college athletes don't. Um, and if they do, it's probably something they did as a college class. Yeah, um, I, I'd be curious to see if anybody's contacted an athlete with success out of LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Not a bad thought. Um, no,
1: it's it. It is. I. I guess I'm just asking the question because they're used for different things. At the yeah. end of the day, right? Like LinkedIn is very focused on business, but your like, your professional like brand your, like what what you're doing to be like a professional in this world. Yeah, But then, yeah, Instagram, you post different content. There's a different user base. The age group is different. Facebook, you can have a business Facebook, um, but even that age group is different.
0: Yeah, you know, Facebook, I haven't touched Facebook. Facebook just like is like, it seems to me to be like, even older people than me bickering about politics. <laughs> Ooh, and, so. and,
1: and we need to, I don't know if we're going to cut this or not. Meta.
0: Oh yeah. It's meta now. Meta. Well, even Instagram is Instagram by meta now. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so Facebook's something I haven't even touched again. I'd be curious to know if anybody else have having success. It seems to me to be Instagram and Twitter being the two big ones.
1: And no one wants their parents looking at their pictures. And yeah. like, that's what I think of when I think about meta. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> or you know getting into it about trump versus biden or you know, the other cesspool of facebook arguments so um, uh,
1: no yeah. i love that so thank you for sharing that because i think that's something right starting out just in general as a first-year agent i don't know that every that everyone would be util- utilizing social media or at least thinking about it today in that same way uh Right, it's your personal page. So you're pushing whatever content you want. You're liking certain things. But to be able to leverage that in business, to me, and I guess maybe I'm just thinking of it exclusively in my mind, I wouldn't think of it in that way. But but it's something, it sounds like it's been pretty helpful for you.
0: If a first-year agent isn't doing it that way, I want to know how they're meeting players. It's just, it's hard. If you don't have, like, phone numbers, like, I don't know how you're reaching out I don't know how agents did it 20 years ago before (laughs) Twitter and Instagram were a thing. Smiling and dialing. Well, they had phone books. Maybe they're calling their parents in the phone book. Uh, Sure. I think back then. Snail mail. I'm at a disadvantage that I didn't go to a football school. A lot of old agents went to a football school and maybe they roomed with a football player. Athletic director today. And that's how they got in, right? Now you can get in without having those connections, but I think it's... I'd be curious what other first-year agents are going through. It's Mine's been 100% social media.
1: So I've got two questions left. Okay. Anything else on social media that you want to add that maybe no, I, I think missed? I, I think I covered it.
0: Um, it'll be curious to see how that evolves. One, do players shift towards a different? You know, Twitter kind of comes and goes, it seems. Mm-hmm. Twitter starting to be the old people platform where a lot of media members are on Twitter but I don't know how much it's utilized by players. And if it does shift towards Instagram or something else, how content would change. I I would say like if there was one thing I wish I was better at, I I do wish I had a bigger Instagram presence. It's just, it's hard unless you're doing like monologues. Like I said, once I, now that I have a roster of athletes that'll help build that because I can post what they're doing. I can, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't want to say use them but i can use them to build that platform and i've talked to all of them about boosting their own instagram platform that is now your your brand that's their brand right to leverage sponsorship opportunities partnerships with companies whatever it might be mm-hmm. the number one thing those companies are looking at is how many followers do you have what's your audience engagement and to these guys credit I don't know if they've ever looked at it that way because their focus has been football. Yep. Um, but now like, I don't want to sound like a greedy agent, but I'm going to sound like a greedy agent. Like your football window is anywhere between zero and 15 years for the normal player. Let's take Tom Brady out of it. Zero to 15. That's your window. Um, and we want to take advantage of that the most we can. So,
1: mm-hmm. Right. No, I love that. Uh, I have just two questions left for you, man. Okay. Um, so the first one, like, after everything we've touched on and, like, your experience, how are you defining success? Because it sounds like a lot of first-year agents aren't in a position that you're in, right? So how – like, what, what – what was success when you started out?
0: Um, so when I had first started, I think success would have been like getting, um, getting someone drafted. I think would have been like my definition of success. Just drafted, just drafted, any of the okay. rounds. Knowing what I know now, this year has been extremely successful. Um, the two, ga- the three guys, excuse me, that I've been able to sign. Like I said, I could not have asked for a better group of players in my first year. Um, I don't know if any of them will get drafted. I do expect all of them to be on a 90-man roster. And once we get these guys on a team, you know, it just takes a good camp to make a 53-man roster. So the fact that I've been able to work with such great athletes has been amazing um the support they've shown for me has been amazing um they come from good families like i've met their parents uh, i'm having, i'm having so much fun doing this and i can't thank those guys enough so this year's already been successful now obviously we got work to do um both those guys all three of those guys i keep saying to i don't know why all three of those guys are um 6 p.m.
1: here <laughs> uh it's after banking hours yeah. numbers are hard <laughs>
0: We got a lot of excuses on this podcast for my mental capacity. (laughs) I love it though. Thank you for uh, defending me. Um, All three of these guys are, are, their training's underway. We're getting ready for their pro days. If one or two or three of them get drafted, that would just be icing on the cake. I don't know if we'll get there. You know, we've got some interest buzzing. This year's already been a success, The amount I've learned, what I've been through, and just the fact that I've been able to, I've submitted standard representation agreements to the NFLPA, I know what that process looks like. I know, you know, I, I know so much more than I did six months ago, and yeah, I'm super excited for these guys and their opportunity, and we're gonna get it done,
1: so. I love that, And and I'm hearing that it sounds like there were goals that were set. You've achieved those goals they've shifted a little bit which any goal would but the job is not done right like no. just because you achieved a goal or you got three guys that have something in common that now like you're helping on this journey right in the NFL that doesn't mean it's over
0: oh god no no we got a lot of work to do um these these guys have a lot of work to do and they they know that Um, And we're working on those things right now. Um, Yeah, it's a long way to go. It's hard to be in the NFL. Um, So, yes, we have a long road to go. I'm hoping to do this again in July and talk about where these guys are playing. I'm planning on having some, if not all, of these guys on the podcast so you all can meet them firsthand. Um, I'm pumped for that. Yeah, because they're good dudes and extremely excited for their journey here.
1: Honestly, um, another question came into my mind, and I think I like it more than than the one I was gonna ask. so I'll do it Last question here unless you have any um, for anyone listening, tell us why they want Alex Beaudry as their NFL agent
0: yeah that's a that's a phenomenal question and I think it goes a little bit in tandem of. Um, what we kind of finished with, with the last question, where if you'd asked me that question six months ago, I think that, I think my answer would have been different, you know, now, um, right now it's kind of the simple things, you know, I'm going to, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. Whether it's a meeting with you as a player, whether it's trying to get you into a different pro date, whatever it's going to be, set you up with a gym whatever that commitment is, I'm going to follow through. And I don't think that's true for everybody out there. Um, And furthermore, you know, when I look towards the next six months for the guys that have already signed with me or if I sign anybody else, with their training and getting them on a team, I'm looking to really change how that's done looking at it from an objective standpoint, looking at it from a data standpoint, and building out these players' draft profile that I can hand to an NFL team and say, okay, you know about him as the football player based on his film, but here is how his metrics stack up and why you should take a chance on him, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's explosiveness. Maybe it's vertical jump. Maybe it's 40 time. whatever it might be. But let's look at this data objectively based on their training. Here's where they are today, here's where they were four weeks ago, and here's where they finished. The kid can play. That's why you should give them a shot, you know, and then using that to sell them to new employers.
1: And it sounds like it's a it's a holistic approach, right? Like like it's not just physical attributes, right? Like they they could very well be like this, like, this kid is mentally stable. He is mature beyond whatever 22-year-old is coming out of college, right? Like, yeah, I
0: mean, and and that's, that's huge. So, you know, looking at someone who might get drafted 6th, 7th round or go undrafted, the last thing that a team wants is a pain in the ass. Like, they don't want to bring you into camp if you're just going to cause problems. I don't even have to worry about it with the group of guys I have. um clint was an academic all-american he was in his seventh year at college covid and transferring and different things he already had his undergrad and his master's degree he had to take classes obviously to still be eligible the classes he were taking was not going to another degree and yet he was an academic all-american i don't know about you mike but if i was just taking classes (laughs) to be eligible for football i wouldn't be an academic all-american I know that, and that that just speaks to like his character. To be able to sell that to a team is huge. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you should either draft him or pick him up as a priority free agent because this guy's a hard worker. Here's you know his skills on the field, but he's also just a good dude who's going to work hard,
1: and that's what teams want. Mm-hmm. Right? At I mean, at the end of the day, like at that level, everyone's athletic. Everyone is an athlete. That example is something that sets Clint apart from other players. Yep. And everyone's got an intangible. It's just you're bringing that out, and you're making that front page news. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah. Anything else that you could think of that sets you apart from others that are representing players? Like, obviously, you you have three players that you're going through this process with today. Yeah gives you time right it it does
0: you know um
1: and you care i care yeah and
0: and this is something that i want to be successful at too um so i i told all of these guys like hey this is who i'm looking to go into the spring with um so they're gonna get a whole lot of me i don't have a roster of 20 guys you know i have three um, and I want all of them to be successful, obviously for them, but also for me, I want to be the very best at this. And I hope that all three of these guys can say in 10 years, yeah, I worked with Alex when he was in his first year. Um, when I'm the next Rosenhouse, when I'm the next Mulligetta, when I'm the, you know, whatever. Um, so what sets me apart today? You know, I, I'm still figuring that out a little bit, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. um, but, you no, know, it's, I mean, I mean it's I a mean, journey. It is. And I think six months from now, I'll know twice as much as I do today. And I'll probably be able to answer that a little bit better. Um, but right now I'm just thrilled that these three have taken a chance on me as much as I've taken a chance on them. And I'm super excited for the next three, four months as these guys fulfill their dream and get on an NFL
1: roster. All all of you guys should be, all four of you. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll chime in just like, really slightly because i think i think we we touched on a lot here but one of the things that i see that i think sets you apart and again i'm a lay person um but some of the translatable skills right so one thing that we didn't touch on is um in a previous podcast maybe we did in the first one uh alex used to be a girls basketball coach at the high school level for 10 years um so and, I mean, that was a job, right? Like you showed up more mentorship than anything, right? Like you're you're there, you're acting as a role model, you're still teaching, um, but you were also working, right? Like you were working in your sales position that you're still in today. Um, talk about translatable skills into what you're doing today. You're developing young adults, you're developing young talent while at the same time using the skills that you've learned in your position yeah, to, to a mutual benefit. Well, and yeah,
0: thank you, first of all. Um, and, and it's true. You know, girls basketball taught me a lot of things. The biggest thing is it taught me how to multitask. I'm much better with a busy schedule than I am an open day. An open day, there's a good chance I'm going to waste that day. If I have things I need to get done, I'm much better at, doing those things so basketball taught me that because you know i'd work 40 to 60 hours a week in my day job basketball at the varsity high school level that's six nights a week hour and a half a night traveling for games add on top a wife at home soon to have a baby at home back then you know you, you figure out how to kind of prioritize my job today as much as how do i put it as much as i want to transition out of Potentially, I should be careful. Um, But, you know, knowing that the agency is something I want to do full time, I'm very thankful for my opportunities that I have gone through in the company that I have because it's taught me sales, how to build relationships, how to follow through on commitments, customer service. You know, when a customer has a problem, how do you follow up? How do you communicate? How do you be honest with somebody, you know, when you have bad news, it's better to deliver bad news early than it is delivering bad news late. Um, so I've learned a lot over the last six years in that role. Obviously I plan on continuing that role for the foreseeable future, but you know, as I'm juggling both, those skills are transferable as well. So again, I wouldn't change anything. Um, and anybody who wants to be an agent, it might be worth getting some experience you know quote unquote in the real world now if you can get a job with an agency on a school great you're not going to beat that experience but that's very rare unless you have a connection to a player so yeah i don't know if that answered your question but
1: no it does um no thank you for sharing that uh i'm out of questions man uh i think yeah i think this was great i think we touched on a lot like we touched on like skills we touched on school what it takes to like the timeline to become an NFL agent, maybe some startup costs. We 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 touched on those a little bit. Yep. Um, I think this is a great discussion, man.
0: Uh, yeah, thank you for doing this. I think this flowed a lot better as a conversation as opposed to me just you know rambling on. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's been. I I told my wife Katie this like this has been so much fun so far. I can't wait to see where these three guys go and you know where future classes go hopefully in a year we do another one of these and we can laugh at how i sound now um i'm very much expecting and all that stuff but um it's been so fulfilling again i can't be happier with the guys that i was able to sign big things in store for all of them and it's it's fun to roll your sleeves up and actually be doing it so you know i was talking to another friend of ours a mutual friend of ours who's struggling with their day-to-day role it's taken a toll on what their job is and i would encourage anybody listening who's ever thought of doing something other than what you're doing right now and chasing your dream do it it's going to be hard i've screwed up in this already um it makes me nervous thinking about doing certain things you know writing contracts that i've never written before submitting to the i mean like my biggest fear is like screwing something up and getting in trouble with the nflpa like i don't want to be that guy uh i want to do it the right way but like despite all of that it's been amazing to go through and it's not going to be easy and it's going to be
1: hard um and there's never a perfect time right like the stars will never align maybe they will but more more than likely you start you figure it out along the way and yes. you fail you you find 99 ways to fail before you find number 100 to be successful.
0: Yeah, is that a um, is that a Tesla quote? Nikolai Tesla or is it um
1: I thought it was Edison, but Edison I could be wrong. With
0: that light bulb. And yeah, honestly it could be Jefferson. One of those guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, someone who's dead. Uh-huh.
0: Um <laughs> This just goes to show our natural intelligence. Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) Our second grade history. uh,
0: Whoever it was, you know, I found a thousand ways. I didn't find one way to make the light bulb. I found a thousand ways it didn't work or something mm -hmm, along those lines. Exactly. Um,
1: It shouldn't stop you from trying.
0: No, absolutely not. It's just, yeah. And what I told our other friend, and I hope he listens to this, is what's the worst thing that happens? If I absolutely bomb at this and I'm out in three years, at least I can say I chased my dream. I tried. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to be. Um, but at least I gave it my all. I gave it a shot. Um, and now that I'm in it and I've got this momentum and I got this great group of of guys, like I know I'm not going to fail. So it took me f- three months and I already feel ten times better than I did in October. So... You know, take your bumps and bruises, learn from it. Connor McGregor's got a great sign or a saying. Uh, either you win or you learn. So, well, there you go. Yeah.
1: I love that saying. Win or learn.
0: And there'll be plenty of learning to do along the way.
1: And that's part of growth, right? Like at the end of the day, that's, that's part of growing as, as a person, which it sounds like six months ago, you were in a completely different mindset jumping into this than you are today. Imagine where you'll be in a year.
0: And, yeah, and that's the other thing, too, that, like, I have to remind myself, like, be patient. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but, like, when I started my Substack article, like, I expected, like, that to get, like, a 1,000 likes, it's, and, it, like, that was going to take off and blow up. Not just I think you. the number one, <laughs> my number one post has gotten, like, 50 views. Um, <laughs> you know, I expected when I was certified, like, people are going to be clamoring over me to meet with an NFL agent. Well, there's a thousand of me. So, and Mm -hmm. we're all doing the same thing. So, you know, that wasn't the case either. But, you know, be patient. Just one daily win, however small, is important. And that'll compound over time. Like you said, imagine where we'll be a year from now. Imagine where this podcast will be a year from now. One foot from the other, and we'll get there.
1: Day by day. Day by
0: day. Brick by brick. Is that what Portnoy says? Brick by brick. Right. (laughs)
1: uh no i love the confidence um love the words of wisdom and honestly loved hearing more about the journey yeah like i think it's it's really inspiring just sitting across the table from you hearing that um and i'm sure i'm not the only one anyone listening um whether it's like the cohort of players that you have if it's our our mutual friends um and anyone else i think would agree that's that's a very inspiring story yeah well, hopefully, that's what I—that's
0: what we all want, right? We all want to be an inspiration to others. Um, anybody who's out there chasing their dream inspires me. Uh, yeah.
1: Find your thing is—is—is is, is kind of the read in between the lines, is what I'm hearing about today. You really enjoy what you do, and maybe you didn't at first, um, but you found something that you get excited about that gets you out of bed in the morning and um, that gets you excited.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. Just be careful about like chasing passion because you kind of got to cultivate passion. Um, even when I first started doing this, you know, October goes by, haven't talked to any players. November goes by, haven't talked to any players. It's real easy to lose your quote unquote passion when you're not having immediate success. So Be careful with that word passion because it can be a double-edged sword and it's really easy to fall out of love with something when you're not seeing. It's like going to the gym. If you haven't worked out in five years and the first day you go to the gym and you go home and you look in the mirror, you're not going to see any results. In fact, you're going to be sore as hell. And then you go back the next day and you go home and you're still not going to see any results. There was a great, I don't even remember who said it, maybe Simon Sinek said it this exact thing, right? You go to the gym, you're not going to see your results, but you do it for a year. Next thing you know, you lost 30 pounds. You look better, you feel better. And now it's a habit. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to remember that long-term strategy. It's hard some days, but
1: it's, I'm, I mean, we live in a world of instant gratification, right? Yep. So like likes, followers, DMS, like everything, all of our notifications, we get right away. Yeah. Um, we don't need to work or build up equity in a lot of things to get a desired outcome or result. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so true today in terms of anything that you're chasing, right? Cause I, I agree with you. I think we're fed, find your passion, find what you're looking for and you'll find what you like and you, you'll never work a day in your life. It's true to an extent but there will be days that are hard. There will be days that you don't want to get out of bed. There will be days that it's too cold or like this problem occurred and I don't know how to fix it. So you just stop. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's those days that really like set apart and stop me if I'm wrong, but that just set apart those that maybe weren't cut out for it to those that are willing to work through the bad days so that you can enjoy the good ones.
0: Well, and um, there's a great book on this. It's called The Slight Edge, and it talks about those compounding effects, and we all think about it in the context of good things, right? Investing, working out, like you do little things, and you know, at the end it takes a while to get going, but then once it gets going, the growth explodes, right? The same is true for mediocrity where, okay, I had a pizza today. Tomorrow I got that piece of pie. The weekend comes. I drink 30 beers like your compounding effect goes the other way. And I'm not perfect. You know, Substack, I I was writing a daily article from I don't even know when, middle of November all the way through Christmas. And then Christmas came, took Christmas off. Next thing you know, I took the next day off. That, that's something I know, at least for myself, that I want to get back into. So I need to go back and start it. I've been saying that now for two and a half weeks. <laughs> You know, it's easy to put that off. So, But you're human. Daily discipline. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm pointing that out because you you and I are talking about these things. I, I'm human too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes that constant daily discipline because if you want to see the results, you want to get noticed, maybe that could be potentially another revenue stream down the line. Well, it's not going to happen if you write an article once a month. Mm-hmm. And, yes, only 30 people are reading it today, but maybe next week it's 32 people. And the week after that it's 40 and, you know, whatever, however small that growth is until finally, you know, you get somewhere with it. So,
1: yeah i love that yeah should we get I, off our soap boxes oh, right <laughs> i am I'm, I'm i have david goggins in my ear right now i love that guy Th- that's your inner bitch <laughs> that's your inner bitch talking <laughs> <laughs> it's so true right Your yeah so i think I mean, about that when I'm, got
0: one. i think about that all the time when i'm working out <laughs> where it's like i can't i can't run another mile and it's like you little bitch yeah.
1: That's that's my inner bitch. You ran talking. two
0: miles and you can't go another one. Uh huh. Like there are guys who are running hundred mile races and you can't go three miles. Yeah. You little bitch.
1: <laughs> Whatever gets you motivated, right? Sometimes it
0: works. Sometimes I go,
1: yeah. You know what? Tuck the tail I'm between a your little legs bitch today. <laughs> yep. Yep. But but as long as you don't compound that. Yep.
0: The next day you don't let the bitch win.
1: Boom. All
0: right. Are you we coming back before the weekend? Should we save the playoff predictions, or do you want to?
1: I say we give our listeners what they want, and I think they want more content.
0: Well, they want more Mike.
1: Yeah, I doubt that. Very. Your much episodes so. do
0: better than my own individual episodes. Um, not a lot of football nerds but, out there yet,
1: right? But like, because there's some back and forth. Yeah.
0: Right. So, right, I'm boring by myself. Mm. That's what you just said. Uh,
1: I think anyone <laughs> is boring compared to having something in tandem. So, yeah, I'm I'm good to do another pod. Let's All right, do it.
0: We'll save the. Uh, We'll save the playoff predictions then for right before the weekend. We'll do what we did last time. We'll release it early. And then uh, you all can laugh at me as I continue to struggle through the NFL predictions. Before we sign off, one thing I do want to say about last week's games, Snooze Fest. Other than that San Fran Cowboys game, you could maybe make the case for Cincy Vegas because that was a one-touchdown game. Every other game was just blowout city and even that Dallas San Fran game wasn't close most of the game.
1: Mm-mm. The the Rams Cardinals like kind of interesting for a little bit.
0: The only thing that makes that game interesting is the Manning the, broadcast.
1: The, so the Manning I love that <laughs> broadcast by the way. I love uh, that you if brought I'm that e- up.
0: if I'm ESPN no offense to like Steve Levy and the other guys they got in the booth. Like give me Peyton and Eli. Apparently that's a niche audience too cuz my wife was watching it and she's like who are the like she knows who they are, don't get me wrong, but she's like, Why are they like here? Like, I don't want to <laughs> listen to these two. I'm like, this is
1: like, two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that are brothers. I love
0: watching Peyton watch football. Yes.
1: He's so into
0: it. Like he'll have a guest talking, and I don't even think he's listening. He's just watching the game, like getting ready to break it down. <laughs> it's and the they're due for like a quote unquote media slip up once a game you got Eli flipping the double bird mm-hmm. <laughs> this past week this past week they're like all right we're gonna k- kick it over to Peyton who's gonna break down that touchdown catch <laughs> and then all you hear is Peyton I can't hear shit I <laughs> can't hear shit <laughs> apparently he's having some technical difficulties like you don't get that anywhere else and like what actually makes me sad is like next year ESPN will clean all that up and you we won't get that anymore but I hope it just stays organic because it's like it's so much fun watching those guys talk
1: it's it, like the the banter right you're so used to as a consumer hearing buttoned up banter the
0: same old cliches yeah, third and seven the third and seven. Oh, they don't want to be in this down and distance and like at least with peyton and eli they're you know shooting the shit they're talking they're having fun with their guests while the game's going on and then they actually give you some real football content
1: it's interactive yeah. i think i think you can relate to it um, and I think that's what makes it successful, right? It's like, that's funny. Like, regardless of whether, right, like swearing on, on TV, and I'm sure that they have a s- the five, six-second delay.
0: Well, they haven't bleeped it out yet.
1: Oh, interesting. Um, he actually swore. Like, you heard him swear.
0: I believe so. Okay. I, I, I didn't, that's, at least that's what I saw on the Twitter when they replayed it. I don't remember it live. That's so funny. But, yeah, like, I, that's why Eli gave the double bird. He's like, oh, they'll blur this out. Yeah. And uh, nope, nope, they can't.
1: (laughs) ESPN ended up getting fined for that.
0: I'm sure, because you can't swear, and, you know, that's why ESPN will clean it up. They're not in the getting fined business, but it's Uh, just so organic, and...
1: Peyton and Eli, uh, start your own channel, dude.
0: Oh, my God. If they had, like, their own Twitch or YouTube Live or something, I think it would beat ESPN in the ratings.
1: Manning TV.
0: The problem is they would have to get the rights to the NFL game. Which...
1: Super expensive, and there's no way ESPN... Like it's giving those up, no way. Yeah, yeah there's but, probably like a non-compete...
0: But you know what? ESPN back the Brinks truck up to the Manning Bros' houses,
1: because
0: must watch television.
1: Any sports minded individual wants more of that content.
0: 100%. Yeah, I don't want to listen to some suit who went to college to be a communications guy. No, I want someone who played it i want someone who was good at it and who can laugh at the people who are <laughs> bad at it
1: <laughs> yeah no i'm i mean taking a page out of the tnt like basketball like yeah exactly page yep. right like chuck kenny Shaq, and then and, and then and then you get the suit and yeah, yeah, and yeah and then you get ernie
0: but then those guys are friends which makes it that much more fun and these and obviously Peyton and Eli are brothers so
1: and they weren't always friends which is so good because I love the clips that they show of like Barkley and Shaq fighting on the court and like Barkley throwing the basketball at Shaq's head (laughs) like all of those things make that show so great because of like their commonality and like the fact that it's not buttoned up TV they're like making fun of each other they're like falling right whether it's staged or not I'm sure some of it might be um, but it's great content. Keep great
0: content. All right. So uh, you and I will talk later this week then. Yes, sir. As we get ready for the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Impact Sports Management. Instagram, Impact Sports underscore football. We'll get that sub stack back up and rolling eventually here, maybe. You know, I'm going to do it. Just a long, and, um, Just a long holiday break. Thank you all for listening. Share the show, and we'll talk soon. Later, later guys.